into A to Z Sports Prime Time on a Monday night from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios. I'm your host, Buck Rising, and I'm proud, as always, to be presented to you by the fine folks at DraftKings Sportsbook. Promo code A2Z Sports gets you in on all the action in the DraftKings Sportsbook app. That is how you can uh, make some money come tournament time. I'll tell you how you can bet on the Final Four with DraftKings Sportsbook. The Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage. GaryAshton.com is where you go. For your dream address without the stress, the official real estate agent of the Tennessee Titans and the Nashville Predators. Brymac Mechanical, B-R-Y-M-A-K, Brymac.com. Satisfaction guaranteed on all of your HVAC needs. And of course, Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet, the Built For You program. Find out more at TwoRiversFord.com. So, there is new blood in Tennessee, the offense Having a little more life, not done yet in the, not reconstruction, but kind of retooling of this group that left a lot to be desired last year. We understand all the different circumstances that went into last year. We understand that there were issues as far as player drop-off, that you know stuff that's going to happen every year that you can't necessarily predict. We understand that injuries were, of course, a factor. We also understand that the best players in the biggest spot you know, for one reason or another, whether it be Ryan Tannehill in the playoffs or Derrick Henry throughout the course of, I think he missed, what, nine weeks of football um, after the injury in week nine. You go through, you know, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, both not, I mean, in, in the case of A.J., A.J. played 13 games, Julio 10. So still significant time missed by your top pairing at wide receiver. Now you come in with fresh blood or fresher blood to try and reboot this thing. And as you kind of go through and process all of this, you need to, you know, it's it's interesting to kind of look around and eye how you stack up with the rest of the league. Um, and so we'll talk about the most interesting or really the best wide receiver duos, the best wide receiver tandems in the NFL. The question that I want to ask you is just that. Which team has the best wide receiver duo in the NFL, and how do you think the Tennessee Titans stack up compared to the best in the business, in your opinion? Let me know on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch at your Two Rivers Ford Take. Which team has the best wide receiver duo in the NFL? I think in any other year, you probably would have said, and listen, we're playing strictly the wide receiver game, so you know I think a lot of people would automatically default to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, who have been... So, and I, I, you know, you can't necessarily remove the tight ends from the conversation, but that is a pretty unique dynamic in Kansas City, by the way, that no longer exists because Tyreek Hill now plays for the Miami Dolphins. Him and Jalen Waddell, a pretty interesting duo. A lot of movement around the NFL, whether it be Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, as we previously mentioned. I mean, you've got Jacksonville paying for wide receivers that haven't necessarily achieved based on their uh, price point this offseason, but, you know, the market is. Uh, they, they are worth what the market says they are worth. And at this juncture, the market said that Christian Kirk was worth four years and $72 million, courtesy of the Jacksonville Jags. So which wide receiver duo do you think is the best in the NFL? We'll talk about it together, of course, right after I tell you about the people who make your Two Rivers Ford take possible. That's Two Rivers Ford, where you go for the Built For You program. What the Built For You program offers you is the ability to get any new Ford vehicle, any color that you desire with any customizable accessories that come with that particular Ford vehicle that you have selected, you can build your 
Ford, your own Ford, in the exact way, shape, or form that you desire, Two Rivers Ford will build it for you and then deliver it right to your door. Two Rivers Ford is all about customer service that way. They did it for me. They can do it for you. I got my 2022 Ford Explorer XLR. Could not be happier with it because I got exactly what I want. I got exactly what I want with the Built For You program at Two Rivers Ford. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. So, which team has the best wide receiver duo in the NFL at this point? And we understand that these things are going to change ahead of free agency. We understand that these things are going to continue to evolve throughout the course of the next basically month when everybody goes out to Las Vegas and starts to get in the, uh, you know, starts to further re-up with young, cost-effective talent that can provide you a lot of good things. Now, I'll tell you what's not going to happen, and I'm only going to address this once because if I do it anymore, it's going to make my blood pressure spike so badly that my, uh, you know, you start to see blood streaming out from my ears. Brian Coburn, who says, still eyeing Mayfield, it's Baker time in Tennessee. It will never be Baker time. Well, let me not say that. It is currently not, nor will it be in the any time future Baker Mayfield time in Tennessee. There are no discussions. Uh, you can I here here's here's how legit that eyeing of Baker Mayfield is, Brian Coburn. It is about as legitimate as the Jets keeping an eye on the situations of AJ Brown, Debo Samuel, and DK Metcalf as possible trade targets this offseason, which means that it has not absolute no absolutely no grounding in reality whatsoever, and in fact, it is one of the most asinine things that you will see. In the same way that that is foolish to think of A.J. Brown, it is laugh-out-loud funny that you would think it would be Baker time in Tennessee, certainly based off not not just the idea that, one, you've got a quarterback on the books already, so you're not going to go out and get Baker Mayfield, but two, based on the body of work across Baker Mayfield's kind of up-and-down career, basically 500 career which is, uh, you know, foolish. But if you want to live in that world, Brian, there is nothing that I can do to stop you other than to point and, uh, you know, to chuckle and say, oh, what a lovely delusional world this person must live in where they actually think or have some kind of grounding in their own little football world that Baker Mayfield would be your superior option to what you currently have at quarterback. So, Brian, best of luck in your endeavors. Best of luck in your delusions. And I hope that you will join us, the rest of us, in football reality quite soon, because at some point, you know, you're going to be out there. It's, it's, you're basically on like a football acid trip right now, Brian, and there's no legitimacy in what you're doing. It's not real. Run away from the dragon. It's only going to keep chasing you. And that dragon is in the shape of a, you know, under six foot tall quarterback who had a bum shoulder. And now you want to replace the guy who has been nothing but good to you. Even as I understand your last outing with him did not go as planned, but nothing but good to you. And you would prefer to upgrade with a guy who is clearly and obviously inferior in almost every measurement of the way that we do quarterback measurements. But again, Brian, I say Godspeed. So wide receiver duos, since we're talking about positions that require good quarterback play, and while you do have good quarterback play currently, you need better quarterback play out of Ryan Tannehill at this point. Uh, to kind of get into, you know, to kind of get into some of the movement, we know the usual suspects, right? Uh, Chris Godwin was franchise tagged, and then they uh, they I, I had not seen the had not seen the reporting on a uh, on a long term extension for Chris Godwin, but I know that that was their intent. He nonetheless is returning to Tampa Bay. Perhaps that contract has happened, and it's just slipping my mind. 
He plays alongside Mike Evans. That is a really high-level wide receiver combination. Of course, we know that the dynamic duo with the uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs in Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey has been broken up, but to give new life to a pairing in Miami now that has really, really high-level potential, provided that they can get anywhere close to high-level quarterback play. I don't know that they're the best, the Dolphins, Jeff Rubel, but they need to legitimately be considered. I can't think of a time, another time, where the Miami Dolphins, or at least in my lifetime, where the Miami Dolphins have had a legit game-breaker, as Tyreek Hill is, and we'll see how he kind of adapts to a, a lesser level of quarterback play, but a legit game-breaker in Tyreek Hill to go along with Jalen Waddle, who clearly has high-level potential and an offense that has a bit of a savant now orchestrating it in their new head coach, Mike McDaniel. It's exciting uh, to talk about. You have Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup now in Los Angeles. Again, all of this stuff pre-draft. They have uh, Jettison Robert Woods. Thank you, LA, if you're a Titans fan. Um, for Allen Robinson, who again is a very, very high level player. It is going to be tough to do better than the Rams did last year, but Allen Robinson is at a, he and, he and Robert Woods are probably closer than people might think as far as what their talent level truly is. But Allen Robinson does have a, a higher ceiling than Robert Woods has shown throughout the course of his career. And so it's fair to say that the Rams did upgrade at that position. AJ and Robert Woods, by the way, nothing to turn your nose up at. This is as soon as Robert Woods is healthy and ready to go, this is going to be a legitimately dangerous combination. Not just because what they will open up for each other, but what they will do in harmony with what is a run-first approach here in Tennessee that will allow you to get back to more explosive plays, not just in the passing game, but in the rushing attack as well you know producer reed because daniel craig brings up the raiders the rams the chargers chargers have a, a fun collection of skill position players too that the league is filled with these guys right now which is a really really good time to exist in football um but the raiders and Devonte adams they're they're two there I, is, is the two is the second wide receiver hunter renfro because even though i believe Devonte adams to be the greatest at his position in this current time um Hunter Renfro is decidedly not that. And while Hunter Renfro is a fun player and has made a, a name for himself, certainly not just as a wide receiver, but as a special teams player, you know, you have to give credit where credit is due, but also in discussing like the top wide receiver duos, I don't think that that necessarily comes into play. I think at the top of the heap, you have to go with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Um, Jamar Chase and T Higgins are, are players that you can't necessarily uh, discount as well. They've just gone to a Super Bowl on the strength of their quarterback and skill position players. I would probably put them in the top three. But to uh, to all of these different things to kind of you know to kind of process to kind of process where AJ Brown and Robert Woods now land on this uh, now land on this list. If we want to do lists at this point. Uh, I think that you have to look at what you have and say, not only is it an upgrade because Robert Woods will play. Can, I can all but guarantee. Well, let me not guarantee because nothing is guaranteed in the NFL uh, other than the guaranteed money that's put into the contracts every year. I will not guarantee that Robert Woods will play more football games than Julio Jones, but it is reasonable to expect 
Robert Woods will play more than the 10 games than Julio Jones gave the Tennessee Titans. And really, when it boils down to it, not 10 full games, just appearing in 10 games in a much, much more limited capacity. Uh, I will tell you where I believe Robert Woods and A.J. Brown rank among the league's best. But first, I want you to hear from Robert Woods about what it is going to be like to play with A.J. Brown. Yeah, I've seen him a lot, really, since he got in the league, uh, since the whole combine stuff, uh, being a dynamic receiver, um, being able to make it to the Pro Bowl, uh, strong, I would say, being able to make guys miss. Guys definitely don't want to tackle him. Uh, finishes through the end zone, strong runner. Um, attack the ball, aggressive hands. Um, so I think my game with this, being able to hit on both sides, I think it be really dynamic. His game complements mine. I think once we get the ball in our hands, I think we're really going to be dangerous um, just because how we run and attack the defenders, eat up the ground. I think we're going to be really, really good together. When you did, you So, Robert Woods and A.J. Brown, looking ahead at this point, are going to be a top five receiver combination. I do believe that they are going to be, you know, two of the better uh, individuals working off one another in the coming NFL season. Now, it will take some time. I'm not saying that right out the gate this is going to be, uh, that they're going to be a, uh, a top five combination in week one of the NFL season. Of course, they need, uh, or or rather Robert Woods and Ryan Tannehill needs those reps together that he and Julio Jones did not have. We understand how critical that is to Ryan Tannehill's ability to have success is that built-up chemistry, those built-up reps. It's why A.J. Brown can miss as much time as A.J. did and come back in in a game like San Francisco, by the way. They throw to him a bunch of times on third down. He all but, I mean, he doesn't all but dominate. He did dominate in that game because they have those banked reps. And I remember talking to Tannehill, and talking to A.J. Brown about that during uh, during the ramp-up for A.J. coming back off of IR in the middle of the season last year and them having zero concerns about the idea that, yeah, you know, we've got those banked reps. We can, we can basically slide back in and have a fundamental understanding of what one another needs to be sure that we kick this thing back up again. Wilson Gary says, what did they do with Marcus Johnson? Well, they didn't. I mean, nothing's happened with Marcus Johnson. He's an unrestricted free agent as is Chester Rogers. Both of those guys were only on one-year deals here. And, you know, unfortunately for Marcus Johnson, his his perpetual soft tissue injuries, truly a problem. But uh, get into uh, we'll get into more of this conversation here in just a second, right after I tell you about our friends at the Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage at GaryAshton.com. You know that you will get the best in the business with the official real estate agent of the Titans, of the Preds, and of A to Z Sports Primetime, just as I worked with Gary and his team to ensure that I got exactly what I needed out of my first home purchase, you can go and Google the Gary Ashton team and find out all of the reviews about how they helped other people here in Middle Tennessee, like Brian Hagen, who writes in the Gary Ashton Google reviews, Autumn Williams was my agent in Nashville. She was fantastic. She went above and beyond any real estate agent I have ever worked with. She was prompt, a good communicator, very pleasant, and worked very hard to find a property. That's the kind of service that you can expect with the Intel Edge that you can only find with the Gary Ashton team of Remax Advantage at GaryAshton.com. The the number one Remax agency in the world, by the way, the Ashton team, not just in Middle Tennessee, but literally in the world. They had just had their Remax awards. I saw Gary. Uh, I saw Gary out in Las. Well, I didn't see Gary. I wasn't in Las Vegas, 
but I saw that Gary was out in Las Vegas and that the Ashton team did win the top REMAX agency in the country. So congratulations to our friends at the Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage. So looking at this, at this point, Boogeyman Gaming says, we could have Gary Ashton and he can't get them the ball. Well, listen, Ryan Tannehill, it, it is funny. It is funny how quick we are to forget that Ryan Tannehill was at the helm of the best, literally the best, in the history of the Titans era of the franchise. So 22, 23, 22 years at this point, 23 years of Titans football. Ryan Tannehill was at the helm of the best offense that the this era of the franchise has ever seen, right? They were they were breaking all kinds of records. We are literally a year, a season, well, a little more than a season now that we're heading into 2022, but we're just at the, uh, we're just over like a year and a half removed from that being the case, which is crazy to say that, you know, that people just assume that that's gone, that that can never be replicated, that last year is what you're going to get close to. And I, I don't necessarily understand why we do that, why there's this just inherent pessimism. I understand that. And listen, this is somebody who's, who's hardly, I, I don't think any of you would accuse me of being like overwhelmingly optimistic, but I think in reality, like, it's not three interceptions. He's not three interceptions in the playoffs against Cincinnati, and he's probably not 30-plus points per game. Uh, talking about Tannehill specifically, he's probably not 30-plus points per game um, in, 20, uh, in 2020 as he was when he was at the helm of the best offensive football. Now, MB says that's because uh, he was handing off the ball to the best Titans running back ever. And, well, listen, Derrick Henry's 2,000-yard season cannot be discounted. Nor can the idea, by the way, MB, if we're talking about, if we're playing devil's advocate, nor can the idea of, uh, you know, I mean, straight up no road, uh, well, no home field advantage for teams hosting games in 2020. There is an obvious, there was a clear and obvious effect on all of the quarterbacks because how much easier it was to operate in quote-unquote road environments because there was hardly any fans in 2020. So. You know, it's it's fair to expect that those numbers slightly inflated. But the answer is the answer is more than likely somewhere in between, and frankly, probably more close to the 30.3 points per game that they were scoring in 2020, as opposed to what happened last year, where just I mean, everything, everything fell apart. And the only thing that was consistent on a week-to-week basis, as far as availability was concerned, truly. One of the only things that was consistently available on a week-to-week basis was Ryan Tannehill. So, when you kind of uh, when you kind of dissect the issues with the situation, I just I I understand the overwhelming skepticism of Ryan Tannehill. It is almost impossible to remove the image of not being able to come back against the Chiefs in the second half after Sean Evans botched that uh, botched that tackle and let Patrick Mahomes score before the half to retake the lead and then just generate forward momentum in a way that, you know, you were not built to keep up playing that style of football. And at some point you need to reasonably adapt. There are legitimate questions about whether Ryan Tannehill can be that guy who operates their passing game independent of the running game, right? That's the biggest question about the quarterback situation in Tennessee. And by the way, that is one of the most critical questions that must be answered if we are going to truly judge, if we are going to truly judge what Ryan Tannehill is, because right now he is a he is an over, he is an underachiever in the postseason. Now he has only been to the postseason with Tennessee. 
He, he had been the quarterback of a team that made the playoffs in Miami, but of course you'll remember that he did not play in that playoff game against Pittsburgh while he was still the Dolphins quarterback because he suffered an injury that saw Matt Moore start their playoff game. So all of these things kind of, you know, they are fair questions about Ryan Tannehill at this point. Some of you will never be able to get over what he did against Cincinnati. And listen, that is entirely your right. But if we want to be realistic about the circumstances, we have to understand, we have to understand truly that there's it's not going to be such extremes. Now, maybe he doesn't he doesn't overwhelm you in the playoffs, but maybe it's not an outright disaster the way it was against Cincinnati. Like we're talking about, I mean, we're talking about what has to be one of Ryan Tannehill's worst career moments, right? Like the worst of the worst across a 10-year NFL career. There is there is the possibility that he could get to the playoffs again and they could lose again. And maybe it's not all his fault or as much his fault as the turnovers this last time around would indicate. That still will be an indictment of Ryan Tannehill. It's completely and totally, you know, I'm just trying to have the most rational form of the argument or the conversation, right? And and kind of diagnose, okay, what what are we really talking about, right? You don't you don't need to fly off the handle. You don't need to say fire everybody. You don't need to say that, uh, I mean, that Todd Downing's the worst offensive coordinator in the NFL. You don't need to say that Todd Downing's, Todd Downing's overwhelmingly great at his job. Like, I don't think you have to, like, veer to one extreme or the other. In the same way that you don't have to do, uh, in the same way that you don't have to do that with Todd Downing, for example, I don't think you have to do that with Ryan Tannehill either. But I do think, I do think you can have fair questions, fair questions about, where it is that you go from here and how much further how much further you can get with what you have and that is the emphasis of this entire offseason mike vrabel's own words in his end of season press conference the monday after the cincinnati loss we have to be great around ryan they have to be great around Tannehill. if that's what it's going to if that's what's going to be required for them to advance such is their such is their task as long as he's on the roster and how much further he can help them get. Well, I think that's very much still, uh, I think that's very much still uh, a big question. And until such time as he shows you that he's capable of elevating things around him more than he is being elevated by what is built around him. I think those questions are going to be fair uh, to have from you know fans, from media, from everywhere who is, you know, uh, from everywhere that will be paying attention to the Titans as one of the AFCs at this point, uh, annual contenders, which is a good spot to exist, a good spot to exist that you have these expectations. But, you know, it gets frustrating when you aren't able to get over this un, you know, unquantifiable hump and all of these things just collapse in ways that, you know, you couldn't possibly expect that Cincinnati game to go the way that the Cincinnati game went. Um, but having a top five wide receiver duo in the way that I do believe that they will have now in Robert Woods and A.J. Brown should go a long way to help that. And what we're going to talk about next, I think, is almost as important as having those two top end wide receivers. Uh, Mason says, hard to be a fanatic and rational at the same time. Well, listen, that's OK. You guys be fanatic. That, that's that's what you do. You got that. I you know, it's it's you guys be the fan. It's my job to be the rational one and and reel you back in. And listen, sometimes I can fly off the handle too. I've it's not like I've been 
you know, it would these it wouldn't be entertaining if I was totally rational all the time. I am very often irrational about certain things. But when it comes to the analysis of the football team, I think that I am more often than not, you know, gonna try and steer you, or maybe not steer you, because you guys can make your own decisions and you can have your own opinions as you like. But it's it's my job to kind of present as much of the argument as humanly possible to you on both sides of things, and then for you to make your own decisions um, alongside what you see with your eyes, right? So yeah, you can you you can be fanatical. That's okay. I'll I'll be I'll be I'll be the you know I'll be the one who kind of you know has to has to tap you on the back of the head every once maybe not full Will Smith. By the way, I'm so pissed. I'm so pissed that we didn't that Will Smith couldn't smack Chris Rock in the face an hour earlier while we were doing the primetime show. Do you understand how much better? I mean. We did a good we did a good show last night. I think we do a good show more often than not. Did you understand how much better our show would have been if that shit would have happened in the middle of primetime last night? Unbelievable. I will never forgive Will Smith for having to wait till an hour after primetime wrapped up last night to lay to lay all five fingers in the open open palm slap up the side of Chris Rock's head. It's deeply disappointing that I didn't get a crack at that. But I definitely did that for an hour on the radio today. So, you know, I, I got mine. Uh, MB says it has to start with the offensive line, which is great because that's where we're heading next. Now, things will trade or things will change. Uh, Freudian slip, perhaps. No, they're not trading for anybody that I know of right now. I'll keep you, I'll keep you guys as, uh, as informed as humanly possible about how these things, uh, how these things will continue to progress, but there's no indications that they're going to trade for anybody right now. But, we know that they will likely, uh, that they all but must, all but have to, draft one, if not two, offensive line and one, if not two, wide receivers and at least one tight end, right? There's going to be a lot of these things that continue to bear themselves out when uh, the draft takes place in Las Vegas just about a month from now. So now, after you know, after the first couple of waves of free agency, the offensive line already looks a little different than last year's unit did, right? David Questenberry is in all likelihood not coming back. Roger Saffold is most certainly not coming back. You have uh, signed a player in free agency who has never been a full-time starter, but who Mike Vrabel thinks has a lot of promise. And for the most part, you've still got some parts and pieces that have the potential, but still kind of have something to prove after a collective down year. So, the question I want to ask you is this, knowing, knowing at least three of the five Titans start off, starting offensive linemen, who would you say is going to be the starting left guard and the starting right tackle when the season begins? Now, again, I understand that the draft could change these things, but as we sit here pre-draft, how do you kind of see the positions of left guard and right tackle playing out with the personnel that they have on the roster. Let's talk about that. How would you project this Titans offensive line? Let me know on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, and on Twitch. Uh, as you do that, I will tell you about our friends at Brymac Mechanical. B-R-Y-M-A-K, Brymac.com. Satisfaction guaranteed on all of your HVAC needs. Brymac has you covered. They're the best in the business. Satisfaction guaranteed on those HVAC needs, whether it be commercial or residential. Brymac has you covered. B-R-Y-M-A-K, Brymac.com. So, how does the Titans offensive line project out pre-draft? Now, 
you know, this shouldn't be that hard of an exercise because there's not overwhelmingly too many options to choose from. But you do have some new, or at least one new part, and one part that is largely new. Oh, I think I'm going to sneeze on the primetime show. It's only the second time that I've done it. I'm trying very hard not to let that happen before we show the video clip that I have, but I'm going to I'm going to try and hold it in. Anyway, who would you project as the Titans starting offensive line pre-draft in the comments? Let's see what you guys have to say. Uh, for um, Chris Frazier, he says, Jones, no, we're in trouble. I, I assume you're talking about Jamarco Jones, who is the unrestricted free agent who the Titans signed here um, at, from Seattle, uh, the Ohio State product who Mike Vrabel is infinitely familiar with. For uh, G-Man on base, he says, we can't afford to be experimenting with the offensive line at the beginning of the season, can't afford to get off to a slow start, and Tannehill getting smacked around. I would 1,000% agree with that sentiment. Ryan Tannehill was the second most sacked quarterback last year during the regular season, second only to Joe Burrow. Now, the difference between Joe Burrow and Ryan Tannehill, one is infinitely younger in their career, infinitely less scared is not the right word, but infinitely less aware of the accumulation of hits that that can have over the course of, say, like Ryan Tannehill, a 10-year career. Now, Ryan Tannehill has taken some hits, taken them well, by the way. Ryan Tannehill has above average two I mean, truly impressive pocket presence when it comes to delivering a ball under pressure. Now, you did see that disrupted far more often last year because of how much more pressure he was under than, for example, in 2020 or even back in 2019 when their offensive line wasn't all that great around Marcus Mariota. But we understood that Marcus was doing some stuff to cause a lot of his own pressure as well. The experimentation with the offensive line, this thing needs to be set in stone by the time week one rolls around. Like there can be no, there can be no discrepancies. There can be no questions about this unless, God forbid, something happens with one of the five guys' health in front of Ryan Tannehill over the course of the uh, of the preseason months that we still have to go. Uh, Jeff Roberts says, I'm going to guess that Jones starts at left guard and Raidens at right tackle. Drew uh, seems to agree with that sentiment. Gary two times says Dylan plays at one of the guard positions and we draft a right tackle again or a future left tackle, but I have that feel. Uh, I would say that you're not going to draft a future left tackle. Um, Taylor, he's Taylor's only 30, right? And still under contract for this season and the next season. I do not think that they would be looking to uh, draft or a replacement for Taylor when you, I mean, you do. I would say that you probably need to draft a right tackle and an interior offensive lineman because you're not just talking about replacing Roger, but I mean, Ben Jones is the infinitely more likely player to have their career end here before Taylor Lewan does, right? Just because of age, because of wear and tear, because of contract situation. Um, left, replacing Lewan is not going to be a priority, even as they you know, they evaluated his money very much uh, this year. Now that may be, that may become part of the conversation next year, but I think you're a year ahead of yourself on that, especially with the needs. But when Mike Frabel was asked about the offensive line at the NFL owners meetings in uh, Palm Palm beach today, which by the way, I am, I am spitting, I am spitting mad at myself because we haven't been allowed to go to the owners meetings in two years. 
And so I just, I guess that I missed an email or something like that, or I just, I didn't put it back in my calendar after having two years off of the owners meetings, but I am so shitty that I am not in Palm beach because I just straight up forgot the NFL owners meetings were something that I could attend once again. And based on Jim Wyatt and Paul Kaharski's pictures of Palm beach and the, uh, the beautiful hotel that all the NFL owners, coaches, and general managers are staying in. I'm not that I don't love Nashville, Tennessee, but I would very, I desperately needed Palm beach this weekend or this week. And, uh, something, you know, a mistake that I will not make again. I promise you that we will this time next year, we will doing, we will be doing prime time from the beach hopefully from Palm beach. If this is the, if this is indeed the case. So, um, when you kind of look at what Mike Vrabel said at the NFL's meetings today, you can kind of see what their plans are initially out the gate. Now, how set in stone this is, it's an entirely different matter, but it's clear that Mike Vrabel likes what he sees in Jamarco Jones. I've known Jamarco since he was, you know, 16 years old in Chicago and would go into uh, Dallas high school on the south side, of, south side of Chicago and watch him play basketball and practice in the morning. And had a great relationship with his mom, Eureka, and he ended up choosing Ohio State. I, I left to go to, to Houston shortly thereafter. This is a player that we feel like his best football is in front of him. Able to evaluate him against some very good opponents this year. He played uh, left guard against the Saints, and, and we're hoping that he can he can start there and compete at left guard. And, but has versatility as well and played it all across the line. So that's Mike Vrabel speaking today at the owners' meetings. MB wants to know why they call it the owners' meetings. Well, that's. They, and they have several owners meetings throughout the course of the of the calendar, MB, where the owners get together. There are uh, rule changes presented, like the Titans uh, offering or presenting their version of a rule change that would require not only you score a touchdown and kick an extra point to win, but you have to score a touchdown and go for two and get the two to effectively end the game in overtime, which, by the way, would keep us from going to ties more often than not, um, but would also provide maximum stress. Uh, which is crazy that Mike Vrabel wants to live his life that way, but if he hates ties the way the rest of us hate ties, then it's a good idea. But the, the, the coaches are there, the general managers are there, and the owners are there because they'll go over proposed rule changes. They'll address things like the fact that they're all being sued by Brian Flores currently, right? It's one of these things where people get together and, you know, it's, it's a semi um, – well, it's not an annual meeting because it happens more than once a year, but there are – I believe there's at least two times a year on the NFL calendar when the owners get together. Only one, though, that they typically do in South Florida where, you know, you have Bill Belichick at the media breakfast drinking orange juice and being completely disinterested, right? That's where these kind of things come from. But primarily to address rule changes, to, to talk about the competition committee, generally the business of football at an ownership level with higher, you know, more administrative things that need to be adjusted or that are presented by people who think they need to be adjusted. Anyway, uh, Jamarco Jones, for those of you who are asking, because Dion Bonner says, who the hell is that? He signed this offseason as an unrestricted free agent. It wasn't a big money deal. He's basically, you know, the money is basically akin to what they were paying Dennis Kelly a little while ago or Kendall Lamb most recently. Last year, he's he's an offensive lineman that has played both guard and tackle, never been a full-time starter, but did play in about 10 games last year at two positions for the Seahawks. Now you just heard Mike Vrabel say he believes that Jamarco Jones has his best football ahead of him. 
and that Mike thinks that they are best equipped to give him some work at left guard and see how he competes. Not that he's going to be the entrenched starter, but to see if he can offer them some competition there and, you know, ultimately come out as somebody who's a legitimate option. That would make their life a lot easier, especially if they draft a rookie you know, later than the first two days, and that rookie may need a little additional time to kind of get up to speed, i.e., like they did with Nate Davis, who was a well, – Nate Davis was a day-two pick. He was a third-rounder. But, you know, it took Nate about the first month of the regular season to crack the starting lineup, and that's because Jameel Douglas was – God awful. Now, Jamarco Jones may end up being another Jameel Douglas or Aaron Stinney, for example, for those of you who remember Aaron Stinney. But if you remember, after Aaron Stinney got cut here, he went on to start for the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the 2020 season and play quite well. So, you know, in the same way that guys don't work out here but may go on to have starting careers, productive careers elsewhere, uh, it's not unthinkable to think that Jamarco Jones can have a similar kind of, you know, coming out, for lack of a better term, at the NFL level um, in this stop as opposed to his previous stop, which was three seasons in Seattle with about 10 games of experience, uh, 10 games that he has appeared in, or fewer starts than those 10 games. Anyway, um, that's, that's so I would anticipate the left guard at the start of camp or OTAs, for example, being Jamarco Jones and that they would continue to try and get Dylan Raiden's work at right tackle. I would say to you, though, that while that was their intent when they drafted him, drafted Dylan Raiden's, I do still think that he is, you know, you're still asking him to do something that's maybe not quite all the way unnatural to him, but he does by mo by the assessment of almost every draft person that you ask. When Dylan Raiden's came out, he was projected as a naturally left side player. And you, of course, are asking him to completely do things differently by just simply switching sides. It sounds a lot easier than it actually is from a technique standpoint. Not that I would know personally, but uh, that's the way that offensive line tell me uh, that it goes. Anyway, let's uh, let's wrap things up with a uh, with a Derrick Henry topic. Well, you know the the Derrick Henry. I'm conflicted because this Derrick Henry topic I think is a show unto itself. Uh, producer Reed put this in the rundown, and I almost think that we've done ourselves a disservice by not making a whole show out of it. And I, in fact, I think I want to pivot. I think I want to pivot in real time. I don't know that I've ever done this, Reed, so I'm sorry for screwing up your rundown this evening. But I think I'd instead of the Derrick Henry thing, I think we might save the Derrick Henry topic for another day. What I would like to discuss is the latest reporting from Nate Rao of Axios about the idea that Bill Lee, the governor of Tennessee, here in Tennessee, has proposed $500 million towards a new Titan Stadium. In fact, honestly, the more that I think about it, and this is not Reed's fault because Reed showed me the, the rundown tonight, and I didn't correct him, um, but we should, we should have done the show about the stadium, uh, the amended or the proposed stadium budget that the state of Tennessee is now trying to get in on uh, after the price tag for the after the price tag has come about as being closer to two billion dollars on what the new stadium would look like. So the question that I want to ask you, uh, <laughs> G Man on base says, "Hey Reed, come on set and slap Buck." Well, the beauty of that is, I'm sure many many nights, many evenings, Reed has wanted to slap me in the face. But Reed, I 
I don't even know where Reed is working remote out of, but Reed does the primetime show remote. Uh, I mean, that, that's the beauty of the A to Z sports model, right? We don't have to be in the same place to be able to, you know, have multiple people helping the show. It's just me who you see on camera when in reality Reed's running the show, the entirety of the show from the behind the, from behind the scenes in a completely different location. Um, but basically I want to ask you this, what is the biggest pro and the biggest con that you see coming with the idea of a new Titan stadium? What is the biggest pro and what is the biggest con? Let me know on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch. That's how we'll wrap up our show together this evening. And while you give me your pros and cons, I will tell you about our friends where there are no cons. It's DraftKings Sportsbook. Promo code A to Z Sports gets you in on all the action in the DraftKings Sportsbook app, especially come tournament time. Now, women's college basketball, their uh, version of March Madness is currently ongoing. I must admit, though, I'm watching the uh, Memphis Grizzlies game. Perhaps I should be watching the uh, women's. Uh, is it? I think they, they're likely in the Elite Eight at this stage of the game. Anyway. Uh, you, I, I need to tell you about our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook and the offer that they have for you. So to get you courtside in on the action, they are offering as you as a new customer, you did bet just $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's just that simple. If they win, you win. All you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code A to Z Sports, bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do, if they win, you win with promo code A to Z sports this week at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older Tennessee only minimum $5 deposit restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you or someone, you know, has a gambling problem and wants help call or text the Tennessee red line 1-800-889-9789. So what are the biggest pro and the biggest con that you foresee coming about from the new a uh, proposed new, uh, inevitably new Titan Stadium that is going to come about. Because I think there's a variety of different ways that this conversation can be had. So if you're unfamiliar with the latest reporting, this is courtesy of Nate Rao, who works for Axios. Now, Nate Rao is going to be on the radio show this week, and hopefully we'll be able to get more details from him about what exactly all of this means uh, but the reported details at this point are that Bill Lee, who is the governor of the state of Tennessee, has come in front of the state legislature with a an amended budget that would include $500 million in bonds to give to the Titans to have the state help fund the new stadium proposal. Now, it is inevitable that they build this new stadium. That is the direction that we're heading. I told you guys this as soon as they floated it out there with the idea that they were considering building a new stadium. As soon as you start to consider the new stadium, the new stadium is the direction that they are going to go. So Lee is committing $500 million, and it's just a portion, by the way, of how much it would cost to build an enclosed stadium. Remember, that's exactly what the state wants, an enclosed stadium so they can host Super Bowls. Uh, the facility would likely end up approaching $2 billion. Now, for those of you who have been following along with a lot of this stuff that's taking place uh, in uh, in Buffalo, for example, Buffalo has announced its intentions. It is moving forward with a new stadium plan. Now, uh, this this came out of the NFL owners' meetings today. They've announced a 30-year 30 30 year deal 
for a new stadium in Orchard Park. Now it's not, it's going to be open air. So the cost is less. $1.4 billion is what they are doing. And $850 million has been committed to uh to state funded, state and county funded, 650 from uh excuse me, 600 from New York State and 250 from Erie County, where Orchard Park is located. That is coming in direct assistance from both the state of New York and the county. So 500 million, that number is probably going to go up as far as what the state is going to end up contributing to the new Titan Stadium. Pros and cons of this, I would say pro, all the biggest events would come here because they are only going to give the Titans these funds if uh, if they uh, <clears throat> this is what the state funds are contingent on. The money must go towards an enclosed stadium, so that means not an open-air situation like Nissan currently is now. Uh, it cannot go to a renovation, so they cannot take the state's money and just dump it into Nissan. It has to be for a new facility. The state funds are also contingent on the Titans and the city agreeing on a broader financing package. Now, I'm not entirely certain what that phrase means, a broader financing package, which is why I hope to speak to Nate on the radio show, which we will speak to Nate at some point this week on the radio show. I just don't have a day for it quite yet um, about what exactly that entails. But that number is going to have to go up because here's a couple of things to take into account. One, this would be this would be big time, right? We're talking Super Bowls. We're talking Final Four. We're talking uh, college football playoff. We're talking, uh, well, we're talking national championship game as opposed to college football playoff. We are talking about the idea of, um, you know, all kinds of world-class events. World Cup is already in consideration here, but certainly a new stadium would be a big selling point should they be able to get it finished by the spring of 2026 before the World Cup officially comes to America and they have to uh, they have to make a decision on whether Nissan and or new Titan Stadium X would be able to host the World Cup in time. The, the con of this is that, listen, it is going to cause problems for a couple of years. Now, at some point, you got to go through these growing pains, right? Like at some point, you got to get over it. Enclosed uh, stadium is going to mean a more sanitized environment. That's the case in Atlanta. It's the case in Los Angeles. It's the case at Jerry World. Like there is something about just putting football inside that kind of changes the dynamic of what's previously existed. Now, Maybe that's not a big enough con for you to say, yeah, I don't want a Super Bowl in Nashville. I would rather have the Titans play the way that the Titans have played, which is outdoors in the elements and making weather a legitimate part of the football game. Um, but what I would say to you about that is the biggest issue that I foresee is that this decision is not being made with the Titans or their fans primarily in mind. Yes, the Titans would benefit in some way, shape, or form, uh, like the team itself would benefit in some way, shape, or form financially, certainly from having their facility used in Super Bowls, things of this nature, a new gem for the NFL to promote, to bring big events here, to further pump up the city of Nashville that's already getting pumped up as far as hosting of live major events is concerned, right? But this is not being done with Titans fans in mind. This is being done with other events in mind, not necessarily Titans games. Titans games are just the thing that's going to occupy this space until Super Bowl X, Y, and Z ends up coming to Nashville. So I think that I think that you're talking about, you know, there are significant cons associated with this, but you know, at some point, 
it's just a matter of, all right, is it something that you're just prepared to eat now or something that you're just, you're comfortable kicking down the road a little bit? Because I think most of us would probably look at this and say, most of us would probably look at this and say, yeah, you know, if I'm being rational about it, do I like a lot of the things that give Nissan Stadium character? Sure. Do I, am I, you know, ultimately aware that this is going to happen one way or the other at some point in time, if not like in the immediate future, then in the very near future. Yeah. I think most people are, uh, I think most people are, uh, are going to make that happen. Master monster or master monster rather says, bruh. I hope I said that right. Bruh. You got the number one home. You got the number one seed home field and he devastates the fan. Uh, he's talking about Tannehill. If the Titans don't drop Tannehill, Nissan Stadium will be empty. Mark my words. Well, that's just not true. I mean, that's just a foolish thing to say. That's like that's like people saying that they were going to stop watching football after Colin Kaepernick started kneeling. Like, that's just the dumbest thing. You, 50, I think it was like 57 million people watched the NFC Championship game, right? Like, you know, respectfully, um, that's just, that's completely asinine. Like, that's got no grounding in reality. You're talking about America's most popular sport. Um, and certainly, in a city that is very, very much predicated on football, uh, yeah, you're you're just completely off base about that. Now, listen, if they struck, if they don't win games, then yeah, people aren't going to spend the money to go to the games, especially if what we're talking about creates logistical issues, like will inevitably come when they build a stadium in the stadium parking lot, which further restricts traffic, further restricts the ability to get in and out of the stadium cleanly in a way that's already tough to get in and out of the stadium cleanly uh, for fans and ride chairs and things of that nature. But like to say, if the Titans don't drop Tannehill, that Nissan stadium will be empty. No, that's just, that's just silly. That's just stupid. Frankly, not that I'm not saying you're stupid, but I'm saying that idea is very, very stupid because what Ryan Tannehill is or isn't to the fans, Derek Henry is AJ Brown is Jeffrey Simmons is uh, Kevin Byard is like, let's you're, you're, you're foolish to think that one player is going to completely determine the fate of the franchise moving forward as far as attendance is concerned, other than the fact that, you know, uh, as long as he keeps winning during the regular season, people are going to continue to show up. But the postseason, yeah, I mean, that's that's a thing entirely. But you're not going to tell me that if the Titans continue to host postseason games, people aren't going to go to postseason games. That's just the dumbest shit I ever heard. Like I said, you're not dumb, but that idea is really, really dumb. Um, okay, that's going to do it for us tonight. We'll do that Derrick Henry topic another night. I think that's a whole show unto itself, and I'm glad that we didn't waste it. This evening, uh, radio show tomorrow going to be a lot of fun. Cam Wolf, our buddy from the NFL Network, he's down in Palm Beach, where I should be if I would uh, remembered to get my calendar in order properly this offseason, but I blew it. So Cam's going to join us to talk about what's happening at the owners meetings tomorrow. We are going to have uh, a couple of good guests tomorrow and a lot of good conversation from 10 to 1 on 104.5 The Zone. And if I don't see you there, if I don't talk to you there, we'll do the primetime show right around 8 p.m. tomorrow night right here on the A to Z Sports Streaming Network. See you all.